0: You know, everything has a purpose. We all have a purpose. The, the unique thing that, you know, differentiates humans from everything else is our ability to actually decide what our purpose is.
1: Welcome to the What is UX podcast, the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience so that you may learn from them. I'm your host, Peck Pompet. On this episode, we have Sarkis Buniatian, and he goes by Sako. And uh, yes, he's an amazing designer, but also entrepreneur, restauranteur, just a renaissance man. And the reason we initially met, because he's just this Webflow wizard, Webflow magician, just doing stuff that even the Webflow people would never imagine this was possible on their platform. We'll get started. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us a bit about yourself right now and what, what you're currently doing. And yeah, let's, let's get, get warmed up.
0: I appreciate you. So I'm an entrepreneur by day, product designer by night. And in between, I like to push Noka Tools to the edge. I think Noca Tools are, have, are extremely liberating. They've allowed a lot of designers, creators who normally would not be able to bring their ideas to life and had to depend on developers or engineers and so on. Now they can just take their... Whole idea into their own hands and execute it and my passion has been demonstrating that to the community that yeah. with limited resources you can actually execute profound projects you know things that would have normally taken tens of people to do if not hundreds of people to do one person can now do so that's become my well role one, one
1: sacco not... <laughs> 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 i don't know you don't give yourself enough credit uh, you know like it, some of this stuff would probably take many people, even many artists to do. Well,
0: I, I'm hoping that can change. I think it's, it doesn't just come down to your knowledge of the platform, but it actually comes down to your approach. If people had more a better understanding of the approach of what it takes to actually execute a project like that, I think that a lot of people would feel very comfortable. It's definitely not something that you have to have really special skills to be able to pull off. I don't believe that. But in the same way that Photoshop I believe is a straightforward platform, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone is comfortable using Photoshop. Many people are comfortable using Figma. So in the same way that, you know, I I think Webflow is a pretty straightforward platform, but it's not for everyone. Some people look at it and they're like, "Ah, it's too complicated. I don't know where to start. I don't know how interactions work, so on and so forth. They prefer to use WordPress or or Squarespace or something else, let's say. I think we need to stop looking at no-code tools as just website builders. That's definitely step one. Step two is we need to stop building just landing pages and websites of that kind and to show the community what's possible. And number three, I think we need to enable makers. We need to encourage them to actually take leaps into directions they normally would never go into, to try out new ideas, to build prototypes and MVPs and other types of experiences that normally are not encouraged by these tools. Notice how... When you try to go even to uh, some of my projects, the really big ones that are not even websites, they're not really website projects still. I find
1: uh, tools like these very liberating for designers because it's hard to be good at both, be good designer, good developer and good designers are often constrained by not having the ability to have someone help realize, right? Like engineers typically can cobble something together. It may not be pretty, it may yeah. not be usable. But at least it works technically, whereas designers, they can design mockups and clickable prototypes. But at the end of the day, they need some kind of development to, to make it real. Mm-hmm. And I think with the advent of some no-code tools, particularly, you know, your specialty is Webflow. You've you've yep. been able to realize and achieve products, not just a clickable prototype. Yes. It's been liberating. I, um, you know, excuse me. And uh, Firebase, if you remember that, when that mm-hmm. came out, it really made real-time databases on the web easy. So you didn't have to deal with waiting for the notification, all that stuff. and I was able to add just alerts and notifications to a light web app that I you know ps- did in less than half a day. That, so again, having and this was many years ago, so, now, no-code tools have come even further. I think designers today, if I was a designer today starting out, the way I would differentiate myself is besides being a great designer because that's kind of table stakes is, hey, can I realize my design, my vision with no-code, low-code?
0: Yeah. 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 I think the definition of product has also changed a lot. What we understand as a product has changed. If you look at Product Hunt now, I mean, there are, quote-unquote products being, you know, built in three hours and launched a product on. You know, that no code has really accelerated the speed at which we conceptualize and execute our ideas, but the, like maybe the disadvantage of that is that the community no longer really seems to understand what a product is. Is a newsletter that I just launched, you know, in a few hours, is that considered a product, or is that just an idea, or is that a prototype, or is that just a, a demo, of something that I'm building. Or in the case of an actual prototype or MVP, some of these prototypes and MVPs are so realistic, they're indistinguishable from the actual product. And that's what I specialize in. You know, I think I think no code has definitely is definitely challenging the notion of what is and isn't the product, of who is and isn't a maker. You know, before like designers very often were not really considered creators, like in terms of product creators. They were just considered like the people who just add the visual, you know, aesthetic style to the product or like the people who just designed the box to put the components inside of it but then johnny ive comes out and he just puts design into the heart of apple and says everything is going to revolve around good design it's no longer about just you know apple before that used to just after steve left it it seemed like it, the designer's job was just to basically take whatever the des- engineers just created and just ship it you know put it into some sort of Container (laughs) and ship it out. And then Johnny comes out and says, no, we're all going to be designers. Everyone in Apple is going to think design first. And I think now with no-code tools, no-code tools are essentially visual development tools. You design by clicking instead of typing. You develop by clicking instead of typing, essentially. So it is design first. No matter how you look at it, it's design first. And I think now what designers need to do, including myself, is build new relationships with developers new types of relationship with engineers to be able to convey their ideas to build these symbiotic relationships what i find frustrating is when no code makers get a little cocky and they start to feel like well, if i can build this thing in webflow and hook it up to air like, why do i need an engineer i'm like chief everything <laughs> you have in webflow is built by engineers you know without engineers None of this exists, you know? So I don't think of this as a zero-sum game. I don't see any no-code tool replacing any engineer. If anything, I think it's going to empower designers and developers to work together in the best possible way and to achieve higher and greater results than they could even imagine. Like, just now, a good example would be I'm in China at the moment. And in China, I'm working with a few companies out here. And for me to be able to, like, take their ideas as a designer, as a product designer, and be able to create my prototype of their idea before I even go into that meeting and just show them the whole vision of what they had in mind within a few days. That is very powerful. They respect you more. They're able to engage with you, communicate with you better. It's no longer you know, a PowerPoint presentations. It's not something static, it's something dynamic. So in a way, I think NOCO tools, Noco tools are a new language a language for creators to communicate with one another. And I think that the surface level is we build websites. But I think now makers are starting to realize that's just the, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg that if they actually see no-code tools as their new way of communicating with the world and expressing their ideas and stop putting it into this mold of it's either this or this, it's either a template or it's a this, it's whatever, it's an empty canvas you can fill it with whatever you like. And I think that's why Webflow to me is so powerful. I still don't know any other NOCO tool. Like people often say, oh, soccer. Like, I mean, some of the projects that I release, people assume that I just work at Webflow at this point. <laughs> 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 like I don't work at Webflow, but I've had the opportunity to collaborate in the past. and. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Vlad Maglin, the, the co-founder of Webflow. We, we have a good relationship. I know, maybe product. after the IPO, you're like,
1: psych, I actually do work for
0: Webflow, <laughs> huh? Gotcha. I was behind the scenes the whole time. No, yeah. yeah, I think Webflow is the only tool that really has really captured the experience of building a product in the web. The other ones like Bubble and so on, like they're very powerful, but they have a long way to go. Like it's very difficult for someone who is, who is a not designer. a developer. Right,
1: yeah, a designer, yeah.
0: It's really tough, even for designers. It's really tough. The user experience, the UI, is, is very difficult to get your wrap your head around. You know, so that's why that's been kind of a uh, constraint for a lot of people. But then with Webflow, what did they do? They looked at what designers were doing already. They use Photoshop, they use Adobe products a lot. They use a lot of these uh, design tools, and they mimic that. They created, they took that. So I like to you know think of Webflow as Photoshop for the web.
1: Yeah, that's so the a UI player. design tool for the web.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what it is. The styler, the menu on the left, the components that you're putting into the page. It really feels, it feels like a, you know, I feel like a fish in water when I use Webflow because I use Photoshop religiously, you know? So for me, like coming from Photoshop to Webflow is like one-to-one. It's very easy for me to transition. I already understand the flow. Of the first you put a component, then you style it, then you animate it, then you whatever. And for people who are not from that world, it feels a little out of, out of water. It feels like, what do I do here? How do I start this? Where do I go from here? And that's where I tell people that, sure, no-code tools could speed up the process, but you know, what makers are starting to find is that it still takes just as much time to build a product. It doesn't matter how fast the tools have become, you still have to execute it, you still have to put as much thought into the the process of developing that product.
1: I mean, I I don't imagine you just go right to canvas, right? Like you're thinking about how you're still doing the design process, you're still trying to understand the user needs. You're still maybe even wireframing or, you know, you you have to think about the structure and the architecture. Absolutely. Like, just like you don't just go to whatever, Figma or Adobe XD or Sketch or Photoshop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of experimentation, which is good. But there's also a lot of unintentional work, as I like to put it. I think we need to develop and design with more intention. What are you actually trying to do? What are you trying to solve? You know, just being able to create a landing page is not actually impressive. That's not, that, that doesn't do anything for me. You're just creating more noise. Act with intention. What do you want to actually put out there? Who is this for? You know, very often I'll say, oh, product, can you please upload my product? I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy to. But what is it? Like, well, I built this newsletter for whatever. This uh, X for Y, you know, Z for whatever. And I'm like, is this, the, is this a problem that you would be passionate solving for the next 10 years? And usually nine times out of 10, the answer is no. I'm like, well, why should I be passionate about that problem? So I feel like that's why the, I think the statistic came out that in Product Hunt, uh, I think about 70% of the products from like last year or something, just all of them failed. Yeah. They got nowhere. Seventy percent—that's a lot. Well,
1: I, I think it. I think it's because product hunt is all about new ideas, right? You're kind of bought into the reason people kind of go to product hunt is yeah. these are essentially, like you said, they're MVPs. They made somebody just threw it up, and it either yeah. will, you know, it's. It'll either die or, or it won't, right? And well, let's call people,
0: it idea hunt. You know? Let's call yeah, it yeah. idea hunt, not product yeah, yeah. hunt. Right, We're right. Just, it's not a product, yeah. It's yeah. not a product. I mean, yeah. I think if, if an idea has, I'll give you a good example. When you conceive a child, it takes nine months for that child to evolve. And then you give birth to your child. Yeah. And I have a baby now. Like before that, it's a child, it's being, it's evolving, it's growing, it's maturing, right? But once it's in your hands, it's breathing life. That's when you're like, this is what I produce. This is my child, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these products don't even get through the first month of conception. Not even the first three months. I'm like, is it, could you call it a product? Is it a product? It's, I mean, it's too early. There has to be a certain threshold where it's like enough thought has been placed into this, enough resources, enough nutrition has gotten into this product where now it can stand on its own legs. Yeah. And I feel like when you don't, that it, we don't have that kind of understanding. We just assume that as long as soon as I hit publish, it's a product. And that, as a product designer, I'm very frustrated by that because <laughs> a lot of people come to No Code and they see a lot of these excess kind of like saturated, noisy examples. There's just so much of this, right? There's so much noise that sifting through that to find a really exceptional, you know, landing page or a website or, you know, a, a really cool prototype for MVP, it's rare. It becomes very difficult after a while. So these people assume that everyone in no-code is just fooling around.
1: Well, in a way, a people are just them. learning how to build build stuff, right? And they're just yeah. putting it out there on, on Product Hunt, but I think the same could be said about anything, right? Like when GeoCities came out, you saw millions of websites ah, yes. And, yes. and they're all gone now. <laughs> uh, and then Apple recently published something, you know, this is probably a knock on me and we'll see if I make it, but there's now 2 million podcasts on the Apple podcast, That's 2 million. Okay. But, so the, the, but here's the interesting thing. There's only 700,000 that even have at least one episode. So basically there's <laughs> 1.3 million of podcasts that people just created, but they never even published a first episode.
0: Yeah. So, technically you know, isn't that, a podcast. If, the, if those know, then, the
1: way, so. yeah, they haven't gone around and then like, you know, and, and then even smaller than that, you know, and then like have published one episode. And then of course, even much smaller than that have even gotten to 10 episodes and then much smaller than that are even active since last year. Right. So a lot of it is
0: theoretical. It's like I'm a designer or I'm a podcast person because I did one episode.
1: Yeah.
0: Or because I mean, not really. That's I'm an artist because I did one painting. Yeah. Not not really. Like yeah. uh, art artistry, I think is a cra- It's about the craft. If you do it, you are what you are because you do it regularly, not because you did it once.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I cannot call myself an athlete. If I only participate in one marathon, you know, and I feel like in the case of makers, like everyone maker is a very interesting term. And I know why everyone likes the word maker is because it's vague. I'm a maker. I'm not a product designer. I'm not a developer. Like these are very technical, specific terms. They're titles that have existed for many years. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of history to these titles. But then when you say maker technically. Hey, I, I made something, you know, like I'm a maker, you know, so I feel like th- th- we're kind of encouraging people to be makers. I get that. I like that. But I think the developer community, we need strong designers, developers to come into this community and bring their experience and say, OK, let's teach you how to use these tools using the core principles that have been in this industry for decades. Right. Because very often people come here without those core principles and they just take up Webflow. And they don't know what they're doing because they assume, well, I looked at the tutorials, I should be yeah. good to go. Like, no, the tutorials yeah. is not what makes me a product designer. <laughs> well, that, that's because I don't think uh, designers,
1: you know, like these some of these tools, they're not being marketed to designers, for example, right? They're m- being marketed to idea people who think they have an idea and, and you know how that yeah. goes. Let's bring the conversation back to your work, you know, versus talking about other people's crappy non-products. <laughs> But the reason I connected with you was I was so impressed by your PlayStation interface that you built in Webflow. And uh, we'll link to that and and actually show that. Tell me the story of that. I'd love to hear that that story.
0: Yeah, that started actually, and before before we continue, I wanna say nothing is crappy. Nothing is crappy. I think the intention is what, I think the purpose is what is either there or it's not there. I define a product by the purpose. That, that it serves. What I find to be a bad product or a weak product is one that doesn't have a clear purpose for existing. Think about it. Everything in this universe, if you just took out ants from our planet right now, this planet is dead. That's how important ants are to our ecosystem. You know, Everything has a purpose. We all have a purpose. The, the unique thing that you know, differentiates humans from everything else is our ability to actually decide what our purpose is. An ant doesn't get to decide. An ant Since the beginning of time, ants have been serving the exact same purpose and they will keep serving (laughs) that exact same purpose. So our ability to decide what our products can be and what the purpose of that product is going to be is what gives us, is what differentiates a product designer or or a true maker from someone who is just experimenting. There's nothing wrong with that. But when, you know, we need to, as a community, need to know how to categorize these experiences. Not everything is a product, just as someone who put you know made a quick fan film on their iPhone that's not necessarily a movie like if everything could just be categorized as a movie or an orchestral piece then What's the barrier to entry? Then <laughs> it's so saturated. We no longer know what you know how to differentiate one from the other. You know, there's a difference between a, a swimming pool and an ocean. You know, it's, they're both water. Yeah, they're similar, but there's a big difference. You know, in right. the type of water or the size of it, and so on. So I feel like with product, we just we just come up with this blanket term. That just kind of like defines everything. And I feel like there needs to be a little bit of separation and I think we're doing a good job. You'll notice that last year there was so many meeting meetups and Zoom calls and whatever and so many launches and now there isn't as much of that. It's kind of burned out. The community started to realize that it's just not good enough anymore. Like people don't want to just Follow another Twitter account. They don't want to just sign up for another newsletter. Like they want to have a little more intention behind their choices. Anyways, now coming to speaking of intention, I remember talking to a bunch of developers in 2019, uh, towards the end of 2019, and they were just kind of like, dissing no code tools essentially they weren't really excited about it they're like yeah it's a gimmick you know these youngsters you know these amateurs are going to be they think they can replace us i said well first of all they're not trying to replace you (laughs) if anything they're trying to maybe work with you and have a better relationship with you you know but you know they just kept kind of pushing and pushing and they kept comparing which i hate this comparison comparing a squarespace and basic template builders like this to tools like webflow like that are open canvases that provide enormous amounts of power and leeway, you know, and freedom in terms of what you can achieve. So I said, okay, what if I build something that, you know, that was really complex, that would even be hard for you to develop using a no code tool? And I would do it within a few days. And, you know, would that change your impression of No-Code tools? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, they have nothing to lose, obviously. And so I was like, fine, let me think about what I need to build. And for those that don't know me, my history is in the last five, six years with No-Code tools. the advent of No-Code tools, I've been, my main forte has been working with startups and companies actually building their prototypes and MVPs of their ideas, you know, at a margin of the cost of what it would actually cost. And most of that work is under strict NDAs. So I end up in a situation where, okay, there are these amazing things you could do with no-code tools, but you can't show it. <laughs> so, you know, usually those tools and even those companies will be like, Sako, isn't this just a website builder? Like, you're using this to build my whatever, like X for Z product. Like, why, how is this going to work? I said, no, no you, it's Photoshop for the web. I can develop whatever you want inside that canvas, you know, and when they see it, they're like, holy shit, this is incredible. The the possibilities of conveying our idea or or this crazy idea we had for this photo editing tool, and you built a full prototype of that, and we can actually see that, you know, and very quickly, I became infamous for that. And that's how startups, you know, the companies used to collaborate with me, and that became my forte. Uh, And I also used that approach to raise my first investment many years ago. And I realized that this is something I'm very passionate about as a designer, I have not had... As much, I've always been limited by what I can execute. I can design the most crazy, you know, idea in Photoshop and say, this is the concept I have for this perfect app, or you know, put it on dribble or something, but then I need a whole development team <laughs> to be able to execute it. So having the ability to just execute myself, test it out, and even go raise investment, I realize that's what I can specialize in. That's what I want the community to know me for. And until 2019, uh, until 2020, when I came out with the PlayStation, I wasn't very vocal in the community. I still felt like the community was very stuck in just landing page land, you know, really stuck in that kind of mindset. So I said, fine, let me go build a PlayStation. Let me build something that is so obvious that everyone can relate to this. And also keep in mind, what's really, I think, profound about that project, not to toot my own horn, is you take a console experience. You know, something that's not, you don't even see on a desktop, you know, computer or or a laptop. You took a console experience and you put it into a browser. The question that raised in many people's heads was, well, if you could put that in the browser, can't you just hook that up to an API and start using it? Like, yes, you can. That's the point I'm trying to get across is that, you know, you could take even a popular experience like that and you can take full control of it. If one person, it took me about three days to build that. The full core experience, the UI, UX of, of the PlayStation uh, for interface, user experience. And that became kind of my, my breakout success, breakout uh, story. Uh, Vlad Maglin from Webflow shared it, and then everything else is history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I followed it up with I said, okay, fine, where do we take it from here? How yeah, do you
1: top that? You needed something
0: even bigger. <laughs> exactly. So in, back in August, I launched a, a rebuild of Civilization 6. It's the largest project I believe, now standing on Webflow, over 12,000 individual elements, hundreds of interactions, thousands of assets, and so on. And uh, the beauty of that was, first of all, it's one of my favorite games of all time. And it really was something that no one's ever done before in a no-code tool, is to take a very popular A kind of game experience and like rebuild that experience to perfection inside of a no-code tool. And keep in mind that it's all running in a single screen. There's, not a, there's no page transition. There's no loading. Nice. It it's a single-page
1: application. All
0: of, All of it. And it's the entire experience. Every menu, every dropdown, every, like, you know, the interface, the going in, going out, the credits, everything is there. To the point where people, when they were demoing, like, the game runs a little slow on my computer. <laughs> they didn't realize it was just the front end of the game. They thought it was right. the actual game. They assumed that the reason it wasn't working is because their computer was too slow. You know, <laughs> so when that experience came out, it kind of just shut down the conversation once and for all. It's like, okay, there was no code before this project and there's no code after this project.
1: I I hope uh, you're (laughs) getting some Webflow stock out of this because basically you you gave Webflow street cred and you just shut it down no no i don't i don't need any stock
0: <laughs> but i i do webflow's team has been uh, very kind to me um i have good relationships with the team today vlad has been very generous in his time as well being able to meet with me and also with you know one of my dreams came through true which was being able to do an interview with sid Myers and with vlad both of them yeah, sid Myers, that. The of civilization. yeah that was really really game-changing i think a lot of people didn't really realize how meaningful changing <laughs> that On really intended. was yeah <laughs> how game-changing that actually was because Game design, I remember talking to Sid and his wife, Susan, they were very generous with their time. They were very impressed with the project. They were like, well, this looks exactly like civilization. This is, this doesn't even look like a prototype. Like it's exactly like civilization. Can you really do this with No go tools? I was like, that's why I built it. (laughs) I want you to understand that you can do this with no-code tools. (laughs) That's how far it's come, you know, and uh, there was a deep appreciation for that. And I remember Sid actually talking about his process for developing games back in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, so on, like how he prototypes. And he described, you know, we, we had this conversation about imagine if one person, let's say Sid, could just sit down. Create this full, you know, dynamic interface of the game, show the full prototype of what that what civilization should actually be and go raise millions of dollars to go build that game. Very often game developers, they're not able to test their ideas. They have to actually go develop these alpha versions to get an idea of what that game is going to be. But here's this guy who spent three weeks and put all of Civilization together with the soundtrack, with the click in, click out, the whole experience, you basically got everything except the actual game. Yeah, the actual you could, game mechanics. You could
1: put a Kickstarter or go to WeFunder, and put, put that that's together.
0: Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. And Sid, yeah. Sid loved that. And he said, this is definitely changing the way gamers can approach no-code and no-code can approach games. And that's why I feel like a lot of people in no-code didn't really understand what's happening, is that now we have game, the gaming community entering no-code. And they're going to see the potential. But because we're still stuck in referring to our work as websites or just seeing Webflow as a website builder, and not just Webflow, but other tools as well, similar to Webflow, it's going to hinder that progress. It's going to prevent people from seeing the possibilities because they're going to like, you would never assume that, hey, let me go use Squarespace to build my prototype for my game. You know, it's not even suggested that's something that's possible. And that's why even I, with the Webflow team, I suggested they do something called Webflow Labs where they have Webflow University, you know, university.webflow.com, and they can, with tutorials on how to use the main experience, the the, the core UX of Webflow. But then they should have Webflow Labs where people like me can share these incredible hacks of, like, how you can really use Webflow. Like, the, how far... Does that can...
1: exist yet?
0: Webflow Labs? No. no.
1: <laughs> and that's my point, is I feel like the... You should just buy the stuff. domain, webflowlabs.com. There you go.
0: <laughs> just put it up. And then get sued by... <laughs> well, no, that. you have a good relationship, so... <laughs> i'd like to keep it that way
1: but you know to your point right like even even the name web flow versus prod flow or whatever it's, not, flow. Website
0: flow. Yeah, it's yeah. not website well, flow at least, it's not website yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's not mobile flow or app flow you know thankfully your life is th- the design stuff you're an amazing designer uh, you know i think linking to your products people will see that but That doesn't, again, kind of, you know, I feel like you're, you're, you have a very interesting story, Renaissance man, you have a restaurant business. Tell us about that. In Chiang Mai? Yes,
0: yes. So back in uh, 2016, (laughs) I moved to Chiang Mai. And then I saw a young, uh, a young chef who did this amazing, these amazing burritos on the street. And I said, Listen, we need to turn this into a franchise. I know how to turn this into a product. Like it wasn't even a product. It was just literally like, one type of street food. And I said, but it's so fresh. It's so original, the concept. I said, we can turn this into a complete new type of... What made
1: it different and fresh, the concept? Number
0: one, number one completely local. There wasn't a single like imported ingredient in that product. It was completely local, farmer's market, farm to table. The recipe was great, but the flavor is fantastic. We had people coming in and they were like, this is better than Chipotle. This is better than, you know, whatever. It's like, how did this person do that? You know, and I was like, oh yeah, we need to take this to the next level. And also I got very, very frustrated with, you'll notice a trend. Very often someone's going to say something that It'll I just- trigger just you and it. you I'm have to prove to them wrong. Product. I'll be like, let me build this. And not to prove them wrong, but to actually prove to prove that there is a better way, that this yeah. is possible. And ironically, the person who saw the PlayStation. I didn't even tell him that I built it. He's like, oh man, I just saw this lad just shared this post about this PlayStation thing. I was like, yeah, that's me, bro. (laughs) That that was me. (laughs) That was my project. So, you know, at the end, those developers who were really like disagreeing with no code, not really seeing the potential, they actually took a step back and said, you know, we'll give it a second chance. Because for them to build that full UI natively with JavaScript or whatever, like just without, you know, without point and click by just coding, it would take forever. That would take a long time. For someone to do that in three days it doesn't just show no-code craftsmanship. You know, it actually shows a good understanding of development. It shows a good understanding of product design and so on. So they actually developed a good respect for no-code. Now, coming to, coming to Ratmaster, the idea was fast food cannot be healthy. And I keep hearing that. You know, I, Obviously, I grew up in the States for a few years and I grew up in, you know, I've traveled all my life. And I was like, fast food can absolutely be fast fresh. It can, because I saw an example of that. And I said, why don't we go and just do that? Let's go build the first fast, fresh restaurant chain, like a fast food chain, basically. And it's going to be completely local. And it's going to be totally unique, unique in the sense that it's not a burrito or something. It's actually a wrap and you can combine delicacies from around the world. So I actually, I productized this completely. I I took my same principles of web design or product design and I applied it to a restaurant business. I said, what is it? that differentiates this experience. You know, when you come to Ratmaster, what's beautiful about it, what, the franchising approach, for example, that we're taking is so different from every restaurant in the world. It is one of a kind. So here's how we work. You now we already have a few restaurants in the last few years, the business is doing well, thankfully. When we go to another country, you don't have to actually import anything. You don't have to import any ingredients. You actually adapt the menu to that particular country, to that particular city. So you might actually go to Chiang Mai, Thailand, there are going to be two rat masters each one is still going to be unique each one is going to have a totally different experience is going to have a, there will be certain things that are signature that are staple let's say the Maybe the sauce or maybe the main wrap itself, but the delicacies, the experience of it is that you're essentially, you're rolling the world. Like each time you come there, you choose what you want to combine. And it changes every three months. There's a new season every three months, giving you new experiences around the world. And people looked at this and they're like, we've never seen anything like this. How is this impossible? And the prices are so low compared to anything else, you know, going on in, in terms of foreign foods, in terms of this kind of experience. People were just taken aback. They're like, "This is this is really the future of this is the future of fast food. This is how it should be. It shouldn't be like, for example, Subway. Let's say in Chiang Mai, but it costs two, three hundred baht. You know, that's about ten bucks for a Subway sandwich. By comparison, Rat Master is three. We just bring it all the way down, and we still have amazing margins. We're still able to uh, keep it completely healthy and fresh, and keep the business going. We're one of the most successful businesses in Chiang Mai, you know, and and, and with a very loyal fan base and our marketing. Is something else that we also took the next level so something we do is you know on the first of each month it's free for everybody free not a discount just free
1: right,
0: and people can come in they can uh, take a selfie so I checked in get a free wrap our marketing has been word of mouth from day one or if it's your independence day of your country you know you get to eat for free if it's your birthday you get to eat for free if it's your anniversary you and your wife or your girlfriend come over Eat for free. You know, like creating these relationships with the community. I told my partner, I said, listen, if you really want to change food, you have to change the culture of food. You have to change people's relationship with food. It's no longer about, it's a restaurant. I just go, I eat, I go home. Like, you have to have something memorable. Mm-hmm. And we have not, we don't, the most marketing we ever spent is on those campaigns. We don't actually do any advertising, we don't do any Facebook posts, we don't do like, you know, boosting, we don't really do anything. Everything is done organically. Mm -hmm. And just with that strategy alone, we've been able to get to this point. So, again, just using these product design principles in other industries, you know, and Ratmaster is just one of those Uh, businesses. Right. And like basically, you took the social share.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, dig into Meraki Ventures. Tell me about uh, a little bit about your venture studio.
0: Thank you. So, with Meraki Ventures, I wanted to create a company completely centered on product design first essentially that would produce one-of-a-kind products that i could create them myself and also invest in them so for the last few years i've been quietly building up rocky ventures Uh, will be coming out later this year and we wanted to actually set up in chiang mai i'm still deciding if chiang mai is the best place to to set up the set up our team right now we're just remote, but essentially the idea is Over the course of my career, last 10, 15 years, especially traveling around the world, I've been able to meet so many talented entrepreneurs, scientists, artists, and so on that, you know, don't necessarily have the right connections or don't speak English or don't have access to, you know, investors or the, the, the right designers and developers and so on. But their ideas are world changing. There are things that could actually change our industry. Completely, you know, overnight. And they're just not able to get in front of the right people. And if they did, they would be able to launch. They would be able to get where, where they need to go. So rocket Ventures is really centered around that. It's really about the 1% of the 1% of ideas. And I've been fortunate enough to invest in a few of those. Ratmaster Master is just one small example of that. And one word that, that we're launching actually in June 1st. This, this is a fun little exclusive. Our website and our launch is actually going live today, this evening. So stay tuned on Twitter. Restep is... Something that I think is going to transform and be the future of automation and education. It's something that uh, we've been working on with my team in Greece. Again, it's something one of a kind, something that the industry hasn't seen yet. What it does is it allows you to essentially, it's a Chrome extension and soon will be a Mac app. What you can do is you can record all of your clicks that you do in your browser or in, in a particular application. And it saves those clicks exactly where you clicked. And then you can repeat those clicks in a few seconds so your entire workflow of containing hundreds if not thousands of clicks let's say something like civilization took thousands of clicks took a lot of time to develop i could save that entire process as a restep and then s- millions of other people can just open their browser click play and then restep takes control of their mouse goes into webflow and does exactly what i did within minutes so it just cuts out all the time. It's not, it doesn't cut down the time. It just cuts it all out entirely. So we have two modes. We have automated mode, auto mode. So it just automatically does it for you. And you can actually see it in action. It's just taking your mouse and it's just doing it. So it's really, really cool. And there's also guided mode, which is going to be profound for education. So you can actually, it'll just highlight where you need to click. So essentially I am highlighting. And that's the same as me standing behind you and saying, okay, Pat, click over here. Go click over there, then click over there. And that's actually the best way to learn, if you think about it, right?
1: No, totally. You're making people interact and do it versus just watch a YouTube video. Yeah, exactly. I can see that being very valuable. I would say, you know, as a product designer, my idea is you'd probably want to narrate it too or something. Like, like you could teach people anything, right? How to create a YouTube channel, how to create a podcast, how to do a Facebook ad, how to do a Google ad, how to anything, really. Uh, Yeah.
0: You're going to be able to annotate it. You're going to be able to add a video to it. So the maker is going to be able to to really walk you through everything. And each step is guided. It waits for you to actually do it. And then it goes on to the next one. So very often, you'll notice people will clone a project in Webflow or Bubble, let's say but then they don't know how it came together right you know like civilization, many people are terrified of cloning that project It's a 124 gigabyte project <laughs> you know? right like just because you the, just because you have the engine to this car does not mean you know how it came together it does right. not just
1: because you can take somebody's <laughs> entire code base doesn't really doesn't even, actually mean yeah, anything it's not very like helpful it. if they they don't have the insight and know how yes. But the education part, I, I can see this transforming education, but also if you think about you know, this product in a certain way, Restep, like you could probably create a marketplace where, where teachers who now say teach on Teachable or teach on yeah. Udemy can really teach and make a guided interactive tool. Exactly. That, that people will
0: probably retain, learn and retain much better. That's exactly where we're headed. And I think that it's really the way Tutorials are going to be done moving forward. Because it's one thing for me to just sit there and just watch you do something for an hour. And like, okay, now I have to open up Webflow and do it myself. And there's a lot of bias involved, right? There's a lot of subjectivity. There's a lot of opportunity for user error, right? Very often you just zone out, right? You're listening to what this person's talking about in the YouTube video, and then you're kind of doing it, and they're like, oh. And it's really hard.
1: You know, you're following a video on one screen, and then you're trying to do it on another. You know, when yeah, the so canvas here. is the thing you're doing, you know, interacting with right there, which is also the tutorial.
0: Yeah. So it's like executing that workflow, and also being able to save, bookmark, and 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 you and run millions of other people's workflows.
1: Yeah.
0: So that community yeah. becomes maybe one of the biggest communities ever. Yeah. How um, do I and- invest? <laughs> Thank you. And that's actually, it's fun you said invest because that's been one of my key strategies in market Ventures is be as lean as you possibly can and solve the real problem from the very beginning. Because in that case, you don't actually need investment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, very often people are like, well, I need, you know, 500K. I'm like, for what? Like, can you give me a breakdown of exactly why you need this? And they can't. Like, well, developers are expensive. Like, that's if you ask me, why are you doing this? Oh, the sky's blue. You know, like, you know, give me an actual reasoning for what you're doing. And very often, developers, you know, entrepreneurs, don't really have that understanding. They don't really know what they're doing. They know what they want to achieve, but they don't know how to achieve it. So in the, case of, in the case of Restep, for example, we have a core team. We have two developers, talented developers. We have my co-founder. We have a designer as well on board. And we're all going in with sweat. We're putting in our own money our own time, no investors. And we've been able to within a few months to develop this concept and it's already running, it already works. And it's something that can completely transform this industry in terms of automation, like think about it. It's one thing to watch someone else do it. It's another thing to read a tutorial, but to have that person enter your browser and do it for you. I could basically take some of my most complex projects and save them as a restep, not as a a physical project that might be two gigabytes, but actually just save the clicks, the clicks. that it's going to build yeah. that. And that could be five kilobytes. That could be a small little file. So this is actually a way to, when you, when you clone a project, you're cloning the whole thing. But when you, when you have the resteps, you're actually, you have the entire project. The right. only
1: you're is- cloning the, the code, you know, the, if you think of the code as the steps to get you there, yes. the script.
0: Yeah. The script. So now you're not actually cloning my project. You're actually rebuilding my project. Well, you
1: know, like Photoshop, isn't that the whole premise of Photoshop? The scripts, you know, you can record the steps and
0: yeah. Yeah, in Photoshop, like that's something that a lot of people again don't know about is that, you know, you could create these kind of like simple scripts or you could create these simple actions where, you know, I I do this brush stroke, I do something else. But again, like that's not what we're talking about. Like in the case of that, that, for example, is just instant. It doesn't even show you the process of how it's done.
1: No, I understand. Yeah.
0: It's very important in the case of Restep to, to actually allow the community to learn from one another and understand each other's workflow. Think about Gary Vaynerchuk. He always talks about like, you know, efficiency and and how to do this and how to do that. And like, Gary, why don't you just take your process and put it as Restep, Mm -hmm. the whole thing, how your team operates, how your team uses, Excel or how your team uses uh, sets up websites or whatever it may be, and you can actually sell those on ReStep as well as a premium ReStep. You know, so yeah. that's something that we're launching uh, June 1st. And my, I'll leave a cliffhanger. My cliffhanger for the next Webflow project is going to be a complete rebuild of the Mac OS.
1: <laughs> which version?
0: <laughs> the latest version. Oh, that's awesome. why I didn't launch it last year because they launched the Mac OS Big Sur. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "All right, I need some time to to update the designs, update the logic, and everything else." Yeah. But this is something I think this is going to be my biggest project.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for giving us a sneak preview of things to come. It's been, you know, I've seen your work and it's been amazing, and everybody's been raving about it. So, uh, you know, again, thank thank you for your time. You know, you've been very gracious to use your your words. You've been very gracious with your time. So I appreciate you, even though you're you know, on a business trip in China, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. Always. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What is UX. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one.